0: However you got here, you're currently listening to the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. Thanks for giving us a chance. If today's message speaks to you, encourages you, or just leaves you with questions, you can reach out to us at connect at perryhall.life. Guys, doing okay out there? Yeah? It's been a rough ride through James. (laughs) I almost didn't show up today. Just need a quick break. It's been good. It's been really, really good. It's been necessary. A lot of times, those are the parts of the Bible we want to avoid. And it's easy to avoid them, but I'm thankful that we're walking through it together as a church. So thank you, Pastor Don, for taking us through that. Amen. I, don't, I don't really want to preach to you today. I don't want to preach at you. Um, I just want to share part of my story. You may have heard some of it. You may have heard a lot of it. I just want you to know what God's done for me. I want you to know about a miracle that I claim in my life that he's done for me. That is, in my opinion, is an often overlooked miracle. It's one that we miss more than we see it. Do you still believe God works miracles? I guess is question number one. The two. Sometimes I think the problem is we're not really expecting miracles. We're begging for a spectacle i us say that again. We're not expecting miracles. We're begging for a spectacle. We want to see people walk on water. We want to see water turn into wine. Of course we do. That sounds amazing. Sometimes miracles are much subtler than that. Sometimes they're not so easy to spot, and we can miss them if we don't try really hard not to. It happened throughout Jesus' ministry. People were constantly begging him to do the thing he just did again. He kept saying, please, will you just hear me and just understand that I'm here to save your soul for all of eternity which is the first and greatest miracle, your salvation. Think about what we just talked about during communion. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the greatest miracle that will ever happen. That's the reason we get to be part of the family of God, and it's incredible. I don't know about you guys, I I believe in God, and I think that I believed in him. Sometimes it feels like for most of my life when I look back over it. I know I'm four years old, My mom sent me to kindergarten at four years old. Most of my friends were five. Most normal children are five. I was always the youngest one in my class. And all I can think is mom just needed a break after four kids. So that led to a life of me being the young one everywhere I went. But in kindergarten, maybe you've heard me tell this before, that's where I learned that trees breathe in what we breathe out and breathe out what we breathe in. And that we literally, this symbiotic relationship keeps each other alive. And a little four-year-old brain just said that cannot, cannot be a coincidence. There's absolutely no way. I understood in that moment that there was a God. I understood in that moment that there was one God, and that's a great start, but we can't stay there. Back to James, forgive me. 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. But it's a good starting point, church. You have to realize there's a God. You have to realize there's one God. And that was four years old for me. That same year, my neighbor took me to one of these, I don't know any other way to describe it. If you've been there, you know, one of these fire and brimstone, old school, Pentecostal, screamy churches. You've been there? It wound up being my church for a long time. But four-year-old Josh, I went to Sunday school. We did a craft, and that was cool. And we had some activities, and I loved it. We learned some things. Then we went to big church, like what we're doing now. I was terrified. I was terrified. I spent about 45 minutes hearing about how I was a sinner and was gonna go to hell, which was all true, but I was still terrified. I came home from church, I grabbed my mom, I said, you need to tell me now how not to go to hell and how to get into heaven. And my mom, as awesome as she is, she literally sat down and walked me through the gospel, every bit of it. She explained to me that you have to understand who Jesus is. She explained the whole thing and told me to pray to Jesus, all this information she just handed me. And she found me, you know, later that day in front of one of the sweet commemorative plates that all grandmas and moms have with Jesus' face on it, praying to the plate. Because that was Jesus to me. But that was when I started to understand through that conversation, mainly with my mom, this John 14:6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I understood who God was now. Taking more steps towards an actual relationship, starting an actual relationship with him. Prayed the prayer to the plate, the Jesus plate. And if I'm honest, I carried on largely unchanged for several more years. That was kind of it. That was was all I'd taken away from it. And then I turned 12 years old and my cousin invited me to the youth group at the Screamy Church, the one that scared me when I was four. And thank God I went. It was completely different. I was with kids my age, kids who passionately knew and loved God and pursued relationships with Him, And I was hooked. I was all in. It wasn't as cool as our youth group, but it was close. I was there every time the doors opened. I went to every event. I helped set up chairs. I did everything I could possibly do. Now, my family, walk with me here. They're believers. There's some hurt in the past. And I hope this hasn't happened to you, but we never went to church as a family. My dad will still tell me the stories to this day and he'll give the reasons. But we didn't have that experience. They believe in Jesus. Dad's not one to walk in the door of a church. Heartbreaking. But I remember I get involved in this youth group. I'm there constantly, nonstop. I remember a few months in, Dad pulling me aside and sitting me down to make sure I had not joined a cult, <laughs> which I can respect. But what I was learning is this John 15, starting in verse 5, says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown to the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. At 12 years old, I finally understood what a relationship with God was. Understand that I need to remain in Him, in Him and me, that I need to actually invest and focus on this relationship with God. 12 years old was a big change in my life, and it started a new habit for me. As I was trying to invest in this relationship, cultivate this relationship with God, I made a deal with God, I said every night I'm gonna pray myself to sleep, and some nights it's five minutes, some nights it's an hour. The little 12-year-old Josh decided every night we're gonna sit, we're gonna pray, we're gonna pour our hearts out. And I would pray some things very consistently, I understood enough to know who God was, know that he was bigger than all of us, that he was above all of us. So that hallowed be your name, part of the Lord's prayer. I understood that. I had a request in there that I would go back to over and over. Every night, I would ask God not to let anyone I love die or pass away. I had seen death, but not that close to my family by 12 years old. and It was the most terrifying thought in the world to me. So for at least three years, I prayed that prayer every night. Christmas of 1994 was the best Christmas ever. Dad was a seasonal worker, but he had extra money. We had all these gifts. We had the food. Everybody was together. It was incredible. Just over two weeks after that, January 9, 1995, my whole world fell apart in a moment. I woke up at 7 a.m. to the sound of my sister just screaming No over and over again. See, her room is between my parents' room and my room. So of course I ran to her room to find all three of them holding each other and crying and her screaming. That's where I found out my brother Robert, my best friend, my hero, the absolute nucleus of my family had died in a car accident early morning hours. I lived in Florida, he played music at Disney World and he was coming home overnight, got in an accident. I'm gonna be very honest with you, I was shattered. All these years later, it still sometimes takes me a minute to get through it. I prayed for one thing consistently for three years. God did not give that one thing to me. I hurt deeply. I mourned. Here's what God did give me. Here's the miracle that I could have missed and maybe did miss at the time. Through all of that real pain, through the tears, I had this unexplainable constant peace. Peace in my heart, peace in the back of my mind. When you think peace, sometimes you think, well, that means everything's fine. No, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. That is a promise of God. That is a miracle. So there's no miracle to have peace when everything's good. There's a miracle to have peace in the middle of chaos. And I found out a few years later that I'd actually been preparing to receive that peace for at least that three years, from 12 to 15, and without knowing it, I discovered Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which is going to be a very important passage over the next few weeks here at this church. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't it be funny if I got anxious getting ready to preach about being anxious? <laughs> that first line kills me. Do not be anxious about anything. Like anything? I wish I could talk to Paul, the author, and say, come on, man. There's got to be something. There's got to be something worth being anxious about. I mean, you've got some nerve. And then I think, well, maybe, maybe it's because Paul just had a really easy life. Everything was fine. Couldn't understand it. You guys who've read any of his work know better than that. I mean, here's just a handful, a short list. He was frequently imprisoned. He was beaten near death multiple times. He's been stoned, shipwrecked, lost at sea. He was a constant homeless nomad who faced threats from all sides. He went without sleep, without food, without water, without clothes. All that to say, Paul is extremely qualified to speak on anxiety. And Paul had been in a constant state of worry, fear, anxiety. We would all agree that just adds up. I get it. It makes sense, but he wasn't. Paul lived a life of of chaos, pain, and torture for the sake of the gospel, and he lived that life with a peace that transcends all understanding. Everything's going right in your life. Like I said earlier, when your bills are paid, you got savings in the bank, family's happy and healthy, marriage is strong, Peace is not a miracle. Flip that around. You're behind on the bills, negative in the bank, marriage is falling apart, people you love and care about are sick or in danger. To have a peace in that moment, it's a miracle to me, church. I want to take apart that that scripture for a little bit, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I got a few points for you. If you're writing stuff down, this, this will be where we go. The first thing, if you want to prepare yourself to receive that peace that transcends all understanding, that passes understanding, the peace that doesn't make sense, first thing you have to do is very simple, yet we don't always get it right. You just have to trust God. That first line, do not be anxious about anything, that is a a good father, a heavenly father saying to you and to me, I got this. I know more than you do. This may not make sense to you now. This may not be your plan. This may be the opposite of what you want, but I got this. Do not be anxious First step to receiving peace is genuinely trusting God. Trust that he knows best. Now, here's what I find. I want to say we got to trust him on the mountaintop and in the valley in our wealth and in our poverty. And I can't speak for you, but I think most people would say we tend to trust God more in the valley. We tend to trust him more in our poverty because we don't have options. It's easy to lean on him then because what else are we going to do? But do you trust God when everything's going right? You trust him with your finances when it's coming in and and, and you're gaining wealth and everything's going your direction. Do you trust him on the mountaintop? You have to trust God always. Do not be anxious about anything. Be anxious for nothing is actually the name of a new group we're going to talk about later you can sign up for. You've got to trust him always. Second thing is this, and this one's tough be consistent. Or that scripture says, present your request to God in prayer and petition. I told you that 12-year-old Josh started praying every night until I fell asleep. Scripture says to go further than that. It says to pray without ceasing. God wants to hear from you. And I've heard the excuse. I've made the excuse. He already knows everything I need. He already knows everything that happened in my day. Why do I have to tell him? Father wants to hear from his child. As Jim talked about earlier, we are children of God. He wants to hear from you said this before, but most of the time when I get home, I know how my kids' days have gone. I still want to hear it from them. God wants you to come to him. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to be consistent with your prayer and petition. This is a tricky one. I've heard Pastor Dom talk about it. Prayer is a two-way conversation. Pray consistently to God, but try to listen as much, if not more, than you talk. That's not easy to do. I know it feels silly to sit in silence and listen for God to speak to you, but it's a two-way conversation. Be consistent. Speak to God. Listen for him to speak to you. If you could listen and if you could hear from God, you might just be able to see past your own point of view and see the bigger picture that he's looking at. Or at least he will guide you towards exactly where he wants you to be. We've got to trust God. We've got to be consistent. We've got to pray. Two-way conversation. This one is tricky for some of us sometimes. Also, we have to be grateful. We have to approach God with a spirit of gratitude. I want to read Philippians 4, 6, and 7 again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you hear the with thanksgiving? When you come to God, when you're presenting your requests, and you're being persistent you're petitioning him why don't you start with thank you you ever think about all the incredible things he's done for you all the small things he's done for you why don't we start there think about your salvation alone is that not enough to thank god every moment of every day of the rest of your life you got to trust him you got to be consistent you need to be grateful i talk to my son a lot he's eight years old he is brave, kind, loyal, smart. I love this kid, he's a hero. He will defend anyone, he's been in exactly one fight and it wasn't because someone was messing with him. (laughs) Not approving the fight, but I'm proud that he cares about other humans. An area that we're struggling with is gratefulness. I try to tell him all the time and I try to take this to heart for myself. This is what I say to him, I say, I need you not to focus on what you don't have but be grateful for what you do have. That's a lesson for me. It's a lesson for eight-year-old Sawyer. It's a lesson for all of us. Gratefulness is powerful. It will unlock a lot of things in your life. You gotta trust God. You need to be consistent, pray. You gotta be grateful. And this fourth one is not really something you do, but just something I need you to know. Even when you trust God, even when you're persistent, even when you're grateful, you may not get what you want. You just might not. When you read that scripture, it drives me insane. It doesn't say present your request to God and then he'll do it. What it does say is the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Even when you don't understand. Even when he doesn't give you the thing you've been praying for for years. Because he knows best because you trust him, remember? He will give you peace. last point today in the band, you guys can come on back up. trust God. You're persistent. You're grateful. You may not get what you want, but you will receive peace. You will receive peace. I want to ask the question I started us out with. Are we expecting miracles or begging for spectacles? He can do them both, by the way, just for the record. There's nothing out of his reach. But are we happy with peace? Are we happy with salvation? I don't like to come up here without giving you something to do with the information. So I want to start with this. If you need peace, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with stress, depression, any of that stuff, I'm going to have the team play behind me. And I want you to know this altar is open. Right here, right now. You don't have to wait any longer. If you need to pray, come pray. You say, why do I have to get out of my seat? You don't have to. And if you physically, if it's difficult for you, that's okay too. But there's something about just humbling yourself before the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you feel led to come down here and pray, that is just an act of humbling yourself before the Lord. The altar is open now. You can come at any point for the rest of the service. The next thing is this. You need People, you have my permission, you know, this a lot to take your phone out right now if you want to and text someone or email someone, maybe don't FaceTime them, that's a little awkward, but text somebody that you know loves you and cares about you. If you want peace in your life, if you're struggling with anxiety, you need other humans involved in this situation. So before you walk out of here today, go ahead and text or call or whatever, whenever you need to, just get a hold of somebody, someone who's doing life with you that you know cares. And then on the subject of meeting people, I talked about our new group. I think there's over 60 people signed up. It's not a small group, this is a group group. And I think it's a very spirit-led thing. Uh, God's given it to Pastor Dom, be anxious for nothing. This is a group meeting on Wednesday nights, starting this Wednesday, the 27th at 7 p.m. You can go to perryhall.life, click on the groups tab and sign up. If this is something you're struggling with, if you need peace in your life, Start there. Why not start with other believers where you can learn and grow and pray together as a team? We need people. I want to pray. And the altar's open. We'll sing another song. We'll worship together before we get out of here. Just know that peace is a promise of God. You don't have to live without it. He doesn't want you to live without it if you need to come down here and pray and the prayer team will also be ready for you on the right and on the left or your left and your right they'll be ready if you need to pray with someone we got you covered Jesus thank you so much for who you are thank you for the peace that you promised and that you delivered thank you for knowing more than any of us what we need what's best and what will bring glory to you God, I pray for all the people of Perry Hall Family Worship Center today. You'll just speak to every last one of us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for giving the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast a chance. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and if you want to know more, we've got everything you need at perryhall.life.